Welcome back to Podcast 23 of 2022. I'm your host, Kiev O'Neill. You can follow me on Twitter at OBKiev. Follow us the Icebreakers. Follow us on social media slash the Icebreakers. This episode is being brought to you by mybookie.ag. For a 100% sign-up bonus, please visit mybookie and use the promo code the Icebreakers. Terms, conditions, and location apply. If you'd like to help us out with the cost sponsor website of the podcast, we'd love to help you out. Please visit theicebreakers.com, click shop, and become a member. Pick any handicapper to get our premium plays before the line moves. You can also follow us on Patreon. And if nothing else, please visit theicebreakers.com and become a free picks newsletter subscriber. The brackets have been absolute madness. Cannot believe some of the action that has happened in March Madness. We've had two number two seeds die off. Trendy ones, too. We've had... Two number three seeds die off. And, you know, it's funny. Both of them are on the bottom side of the brackets. We had uh, Wisconsin and Auburn, three and two seeds right in the uh, Midwest bracket there die off. And we had St. Peter's beat Kentucky, maybe the trendiest two seed in all of the tournament. Unreal. You know, I got to tell you. Wisconsin looked absolutely terrible, <laughs> you know, terrible against a bad Iowa State team. I told my friends that the University of Milwaukee would beat Iowa State or Wisconsin today. I'm serious. If they played the way they did against UW-Milwaukee in the Horizon League, a terrible team in the Horizon League, they would have lost. Yeah, that's that's how the interesting this tournament is. I mean, look at how bad Tennessee played against Michigan, another three seed that died off, right? I mean that that's how it is. You have a bad day, you are out. Unfortunately for Wisconsin, Iowa State was having a bad day too, or maybe they're just a bad team. They barely made it in the tournament, and they ended up winning somewhat comfortably against Wisconsin because Wisconsin. Could not hit a shot. Davison, their six-year senior leader, couldn't hit a shot. You know, Johnny Davis, the one that everyone says should be a lottery pick in the pros, he couldn't do anything. It's almost like he was scared to take it to the hole or something. He seemed nervous. You know, that Wisconsin absolutely blew it at home, too, in Milwaukee. You know, that's the tough thing about this tournament. Sometimes playing at home doesn't help the team from a pressure standpoint. I feel like Wisconsin felt a lot more pressure than they should have. But at the same time, if you're seniors, you're either good at basketball and you can take pressure or you're not. You know, Wisconsin was experienced in some cases and they should have made it farther. Now, did the rest of their team do anything? No. <laughs> Carlson was terrible. Wall was horrible, you know. But uh, that's life. And I will say that Wisconsin was overrated. They, um, I thought that if they can get by Iowa State and then probably lose to like an Auburn, they would be properly rated. But at the same time, it's not like Auburn has been lighting it up either because their loss against a, well, 
a Miami team that also barely made it in the tournament didn't look good either. I mean, that was a comfortable win for Miami. We had a personal play on Miami against USC. When Miami played Auburn, we made that a premium play. So that's a contrarian approach that I took to this tournament, giving me a record of 32 and 21 against the spread, up 24 units, having a great start to the March Madness. Now, I just think that it was such a crazy year of transfers coming in, teams, you know, taking breaks kind of throughout the season, right? I mean, you've seen some teams have some low spots during the season and then just kind of pick it up again. There seems to be a lot more parity with these teams, right? A lot more parity. Illinois was overrated. Definitely overrated. They should have lost to Chattanooga. The whole Big Ten is really overrated. Thank goodness Purdue won for them and Michigan's left out of what, nine teams that made it in the dance? Two left in the next weekend. It's not so good, is it? But I got to tell you, there had to be people that had their bracket, Kentucky versus Iowa in that final game. I, I can just imagine what their thoughts were after the first two days of March Madness. Oh, no! <laughs> I admit, I, I had Iowa in my final four in Kentucky. <laughs> but it's a bad bracket year for me. Um, I still have Arizona winning it all, and they just had some trouble against TCU. TCU all of a sudden vastly improved. They're a good dog to be on, too. I almost laid it with Arizona. I'd laid off. I'm like, you know what? Why change my contrarian approach taking all these dogs that got me this far? You know, I mean, St. Peter's was an eight and a half points uh, dog against Murray State. Eight and a half points. What the hell did Murray State do to deserve that? Now, I've been talking up Murray State a ton, right? Throughout the whole year. But putting them as a dog of... Eight and a half points, St. Peter's, the team has just knocked off Kentucky. That is absolutely ridiculous to me. Did they not watch St. Peter's play Kentucky? It's not like St. Peter's got massively lucky. They played them hard. Kentucky still hit shots. It blew my mind. I thought it was a gift to take that spread. You know? I had some losers in there, too. I think I probably did better than the NIT than anything. I think I've only like I think I'm like four and one in the NIT. You know, the NIT gotta love those smaller conference tournaments somewhat sometimes. You know? Motivation the key factor in those things. You know, going back to Iowa, let's talk about the elephant in the room here because they will never do that on CBS, which makes them not exactly the most honest people to follow. You know, Kenny and them. Charles, they can't tell you the obvious. So how are you supposed to trust them as a real analysts, you know, breaking things down? I mean, let's face it. The Iowa game, they got absolutely screwed against Richmond. Absolutely screwed. That three-pointer that Keegan Murray took was a clear foul. And the most embarrassing thing for them is that they had to review it a bunch of times to find out what time the ball went out of bounds. 
but it was so obvious and it was so missed. And then Iowa ends up losing by just a couple points to Richmond, but that would have put them ahead in the game. I think it was a header tied up, right? Put them back in the driver's seat. Iowa got absolutely screwed, but they're getting screwed the whole game by that officiating crew. You know, the whole game. The officials were absolutely terrible. And people say rigged, rigged, rigged. I think there's a difference that we have to define between fixed, rigged, and biased officiating. Rigged or fixed usually is looked at as something that happened before the game started, right? It's something that was planned to happen. Biased officiating is the officials just deciding that they want a team to be in the game. They want the score to be changed to make it more interesting. Or they maybe got mad at a team and want the other team to win. That's biased officiating. Here's the problem. It's the same dang result as being rigged. It's the same result that happens, making it just as bad in my opinion. Now, does the league look at it as bad? No. They think a fixed game is much worse than the officials fixing it during the game. (laughs) Right? And let's face it. The Baylor versus North Carolina game was massively changed the outcome was changed by the officials it was so clear and obvious that twitter was going absolutely abrupt and did cbs say anything about it no just like the media these days they act like nothing happened you know and and that's and that's sad and here's the thing that's even sadder it's that it'll they'll never change because they don't have to they're a monopoly. There's no competition for them. There's no rules that make them change. There's no governing authority over them. So they can be as bad as you want. And you have to like it. Right? You have to like it. Because you have no other choice but to walk away or like it. And that's what's getting massively wrong with the sport in general. In a lot of sports is that judgmental situations, arbitrary situations have been put into rules that make it so you could call it either way and still get your pat on the back from the league. Oh, that official did a great job, right? It's like you could he could have called the other way and then you would have said, oh, he did a great job, Mr. Commentator. <laughs> you know? But I will say at least during a couple of these games, the announcers did call out the officials a little bit, but they have to be very careful because they're going to get fired if they do it too much. But the halftime analysis, Kenny, Charles, and those guys, absolutely terrible. Absolute garbage analysis of the games in itself. And that Baylor game, Baylor was the one seed. North Carolina was the eight seed. North Carolina jumped them. They jumped them up by 20-some points. They just couldn't miss. It's just one of those games. What can you do? What they did was that Baylor was following them every single play, especially on the inbounds pass. They would push the guy aside and get it, and they weren't getting calls, right? They were they were just letting them do whatever they want to North Carolina, and North Carolina was rarely getting the free throws. And when they did, they would make one, miss the other. But they can just see the momentum being changed due to 
just awful officiating. There was a five-second call on them that was literally just three seconds long. Normally, those five-second calls take six or seven minute seconds, right? I mean, it was an absolute drubbing. And I had to tweet out the officiating crew their pictures because I don't want to bet another game with this crew. I, I can't trust them. There's actually some good crews. There's some bad crews. But the game in itself moves so fast that they all make mistakes. What they need to do is have a faster system replaying it and saying if that was a properly called play or not. I've been saying that for football, and I say it for college basketball. But as it is right now, in close games, teams are not deciding if they're winning or not. It's usually the officiating that's deciding who gets the W in very close games. And this is why teams like Gonzaga with Mark Few, you know, teams like Baylor, even though they're the culprit this time, but not their fault, with Scott Drew, teach their teams to take the officials out of it by by winning by a, a larger margin. For the most cases, you know, they're not going to be able to take you out. You hit your free throws. You should be okay there. Well, it wasn't for North Carolina when they played Baylor, but take the officials out of it by making all your shots. Always keep a very high margin. You know, just as an athlete in itself, you tend to get a little bit lazy when you get the lead. Maybe it's one or two points. You know, you're not as focused. You're going to miss your next shot. It's just like a subconscious thing that you can't always necessarily notice or fix. What you have to teach these kids these days is that you have to beat the officials as well as the team. Take the officials out of it that they can't take it away from you. That's what guys like Scott Drew and Mark Few do. Like you keep putting those, that pressure on, you keep that large margin of scoring. You're not winning until you're up 10 points. Look at it that way. Probably the best way to attack a lot of the sports these days because, like I said, they're monopolies and they don't have to change. And it's it's a really it's a mess right now. But hopefully, the fact that sports betting is legal might change some of that and maybe just maybe the lack of institutional control will be addressed. And that's why we have to keep our voices high on this subject. All right, my friends, I'm just going to keep this short, kind of like a little recap going into my thoughts on the Sweet 16. I think Purdue, even as bad as the Big Ten is, they have a shot here to make a run. And obviously, <laughs> obviously Baylor and Kentucky are the way. But you have to think with Purdue, they have the the height, right, with Zach Eady, and they have the NBA guy with Jaden Ivey, right? They they have those two factors that can push them over the top. They have the star power, they have the height, and they have a couple guys that can hit threes. That's what the kind of mix that you're looking at. I do have a bracket left. I filled out seven, eight brackets. I put Purdue as a winner because of that. Now, I wish I would have had my main bracket that because that's the one I go by. But I kind of thought that earlier, even though they didn't play defense, that was probably what took me off Purdue from a future standpoint and everything. But you got to be excited if you're a Purdue fan because you have Kentucky out of the way. You have Baylor out of the way, right? 
And those are the one and two seeds. Now, what I will say is UCLA will still be tricky there. <laughs> they will still be tricky. I don't think St. Peter's is going to be a pushover. Certainly not 12 and a half point pushover, right? So, um, like the spread says, I... I, I think you got to be really happy if you're a Purdue fan. Now, Kansas, they're rolling, and uh, they, they just have Miami pretty much in their way. Um, they get to play Providence. Now, Providence is a lot less overrated than people see. And one thing about our Providence play is I, as soon as the tournament started, I was really happy to see them cover and cover with ease against that public dog in South Dakota State. But i got to tell you, uh, Providence will give Kentucky or Kansas some fits, but if they can get by Providence, they should quote quote be able to handle a number ten seed in Miami. So you got to be pretty happy if you're a Kansas fan too. If you're an Arizona fan, you have to be pretty damn bummed out. <laughs> you went to overtime with TCU, right? And now you're facing a Houston team in the South bracket in San Antonio, Texas. I mean, that's Houston's home state. Arizona is two states away. Not to mention that, Houston has moved up to number two on Ken Palm and Bart Torvik. They are the second best team according to those two sites. What the hell are they doing in five seed at home against poor Arizona here? Arizona will have some fans, but geez. I mean, there's going to be a lot of Houston fans here. So if you're an Arizona fan, you are probably bummed out about this. Not to mention, you get by Houston, you still have to face Villanova, most likely, who's a favorite against Michigan right now. How about the, them apples? <laughs> you know, Villanova is playing great basketball. So I, I'd be pretty bummed out if I was an Arizona fan. But if I'm a Houston fan, I'm not exactly happy either. I'm still playing Arizona. And if I'm a Nova fan, I'm going to have a very tough out coming in my next game now Gonzaga you have to be sitting pretty good right now as a big favorite against Arkansas um, Arkansas is a good team but it appears the SEC is a little bit overrated and you're going to get a very difficult Duke can team most likely or a Texas Tech team that plays amazing defense but I still think Gonzaga has probably the second easiest road here um, just because of that Arkansas game. So the easiest road right now is definitely Purdue. But you got to be happy if you're a Gonzaga fan too. I think you can beat Duke. It's just that Duke does have a ton of talent and it showed against Michigan State. But you have to remember that Michigan State hung tough with this team, right? They hung very tough with this team. So that's... I think more of a hit against Duke and more help for the thoughts on Gonzaga when they face off. We'll see if Duke can get by the tricky matchup with Texas Tech. But I will tell you something that's interesting in the tournament still. And I know Ken Palm changes itself when, you know, obviously a team wins. Purdue moved up a little bit. Auburn dropped down out of the top 12. Nine of the top 12 are still in this tournament. So it's a little bit less chaos than you think from a top-heavy perspective. You had a fraudulent one seed in Baylor that I called out before the tournament. I'm like, they shouldn't be a one seed. You had a two seed in Kentucky that 
you know, is still top 12 in Ken Palm, but they just got jumped against a, a much better St. Peter's team than we thought. And then you have Tennessee with Rick Barnes that chokes, but you still have Purdue in it, Villanova, Duke, UCLA, Texas Tech, Kansas, Arizona, Houston, and Gonzaga. So if you look at how top-heavy it is, you can still make an argument that there was chaos, but you still have a lot of the top teams in this tournament. Speaking of some of these teams, it's time to give you one free play coming into the week. And to be honest with you, I do think Duke beats Texas Tech here on Thursday. I like Texas Tech, and I think they're a good team. They're just not quite as talented against Duke. And if you saw the Duke game, they are going to get the whistles on Coach Krzyzewski's last year, on his last dance. Texas Tech has the number one defense in the league. But defense only goes so far, and Notre Dame almost took care of them. Right? You have Duke that has the number four offense in the league. You know They're going to favor the offense in this situation, in my opinion. And Duke's a one-point dog here. I think the wrong team is favored. You know, Duke with the uh, star power, Wendell Moore, Trevor Keels, Jeremy Roach, A.J. Griffin, you know, Paulo Banchero. I think that they have enough to get by Texas Tech because they have the height. Texas Tech's been bowling people around the rebounds, but Duke match is a bad matchup for them. And Duke, all they need to do is make a few shots for them to advance. I don't want Duke to win as a fan, but I have to bet with my mind rather than my heart in this situation. I think Duke is the team that is going to advance here. Where's my money, bitch? I also say ACC is the most underrated conference coming into this tournament. They've been cashing a lot of tickets. You got to give, I mean, except for everyone, except for Virginia Tech that won the ACC tournament. Uh, you got to give props to North Carolina. You got to give props to Duke. And you got to give a lot of props to Miami here. And Notre Dame, sure, like I said, played Texas Tech really hard. ACC, certainly the most underrated conference right now in this tournament. My friends, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you have any questions, feel free to tweet us at the Odds Breakers. There'll be more shows this week for the Sweet 16. Have a great rest of your week and go get some winners. Winners.